Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. What is going on, Diesel Nation? We're excited to have you guys with us today on the Diesel Podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube and aren't subscribed, make sure and click the subscribe button, turn on notifications, like and comment. Let us know what you think about the episode, what your experience is with the topic that we're discussing, or if you have a suggestion for a guest or episode, we're always checking YouTube comments and love to be able to take what you guys say on there and then incorporate them into episodes. Today, we're going to be continuing with our series of what is the worst and best diesel trucks. This is going to be part two, and we're joined by Vinny from Leadfoot Diesel Performance, and he's going to talk about his factual experience and things he's seen over 15 years in the industry with patterns and issues that trucks have to be able to provide you guys who are in the market for a used diesel truck what may provide the least amount of headaches or what may not need as much initial investment or what might cost a lot of money up front. So really looking forward to chatting with him today on part two. Before we get to it, I want to remind you guys that Kershaw Knives has a 20% discount code for you guys. It's diesel20. You can enter that at checkout. You get 20% off site-wide and just go to kershaw.kiausa.com. They got a ton of choices to meet any budget. Some really cool knives are on there. So if you're in the market, check them out. Take advantage of 20% off that it, that's exclusive just to you guys. It's not a national thing they're doing. It's just for diesel podcast listeners, and we appreciate them offering that to you guys. All right, let's get to part two with Vinny from Leadfoot Diesel Performance and chatting about what is the worst and best diesel trucks divided between the big three to look at and purchase. Vinny, welcome back to part two of the worst and best diesel trucks to buy. If someone's just listening now, missed our first one. We went through Ford Power Strokes and covered um, you know, Vinny more factually than I did. I just gave opinions, but what he sees at the shop, what are the best ones, what are the worst ones from a cost standpoint, um, you know, making power. And so on this this episode, we wanted to jump into GM Duramax and and talk about um, you know, what he sees at the shop. Well, my opinions are if you're in the market for a truck, which one may be the, the worst one to get, the best one to get, and why. So, Vinny, welcome back and uh, look forward to you know, kind of picking your brain on this one too, because I've only had one Duramax and have not had my hands on a lot of them. So, I'm going to be asking you a lot of questions. Sure. Well, I'm going to be a bit controversial on this one. And, and again, uh, only way I've been successful in life is dealing in facts, not emotions. So I don't care about anybody's emotions or what truck you drive or what's sitting in your driveway. But my experience with Duramax started in 2001. Well, 2003, to be honest. Uh, 2001, obviously, the Duramax came out. It was a powerhouse back in that day um they sounded amazing they looked good uh, i mean the old cat eye classic beautiful truck uh, i'm a four-door long bed single rear wheel guy I will be my whole life i hate a dually truck they look stupid uh short beds are dumb i can't work <laughs> out of them i've worked my entire life whether i'm hauling hay firewood construction equipment I need a truck as a tool. It's a tool to me. I don't care if it's a Ford, a Chevy, or a Dodge. It's a tool to make me money. I can't make money with a short bed. Um, you got to do everything twice. It's retarded. It's like wiping before you poop. It doesn't make sense. 
<laughs> you sound like my brother. <laughs> I hate short beds, man. I, I, love, I love them, but I don't. I never use them to, to work with. It was all just how right, they you, look. You show up to Home Depot and you slide three sheets of plywood in, and you're like, Frick, "How do I strap this down?" Like now I have to drive back to the job site with my tailgate down, and the tow hooks are two inches above the plywood. Like this is so stupid. So you know, I hate a short bed truck. I've owned a couple of them. And I, I hated every single one of them, and. uh so my first experience, 2002, I'm working at a diesel shop in Idaho, and I was the Cummins guy. I, I could tear down a 5.9 Cummins, pull the truck in in the morning. I could have the motor out by noon, tore down, rebuilt, back in, and running by midnight. I mean, that was my thing. Uh, I was slinging clutches like nobody's business. I could do a South Bend clutch install in 45 minutes on the side of the interstate with nothing but a couple of wrenches and a ratchet strap. I've seen me do it. And so this LB seven Duramax comes in and, uh, it's white smoking out the tailpipe runs great. Just white smoking out the tailpipe. And so I'm trying to diagnose this thing and, uh, check injector balance rates. They're whack. Injectors are bad. Sell the customer eight injectors. Cause there's no point in doing two. And, uh, you know, the one, the one massive pet peeve I have in this industry is people doing one or two injectors. Like you are shooting yourself in the foot. You know, we don't make, you know, if we sell eight injectors as a business and we make like what, 40 bucks profit per injector, you know, and then you, you've got to tear down both sides anyways, because injectors fire in pairs so you've got one going down you're gonna have another one going down so you, if you got one bad you're gonna have at least two at the very least whatever went through that one injector whether it was water air dirt i don't care whatever wiped that one injector out the same fuel went through the other eight so just because they're not showing a symptom yet doesn't mean they're not going to and so you know one thing for your viewers is if you're going to do injectors in your truck, I don't care who you take it to. Obviously, you're not going to bring it to me. I'm stuck in Georgia. You're wherever you are. But do all eight. Save yourself the frustration and the money. If you do two injectors in an LB7 Duramax and you got cylinder number one and cylinder number eight that are down, you're tearing down both sides of the motor. So why not put eight in? You're going to pay the nine, ten hours labor, whatever the shop you go to is going to charge you. Put eight injectors in your truck and put a freaking fast on it and be done with it. The uh, this this one's probably the hardest one for me to do because <clears throat> I had an LMM. I really liked the truck. Um, it was a GMC. I loved the you know the look of it. I had leather. It was great. It rode really nice. But I never I didn't have it that long and I didn't really do a whole lot to it. So I don't really know. So I'm going to be more like a listener saying, Hey, I, I like, I like GM trucks. I like the Duramax. What would be the best one for me to get And you know, to kind of go back a little bit, if somebody didn't catch the, the Ford power stroke episode is by best, it's not who, you know, which can make the most horsepower. Um, it's really, you know, kind of a, a truck that would stay stock or near stock, but looking at what are some inherent problems at that particular model year? you know, or engine code might have, what's the aftermarket support like to be able to fix those issues. And then, you know, comparatively speaking, you know, what, what is the factory 
power like? So if you have an active lifestyle, you're towing, hunting, hauling stuff, does the truck have enough you know, power and torque to be able to do it? So I think this one's really unique in that an 01 or a 2021 or 2022, they've got tons of power versus like with Ford, you know, we we're going back to the mid nineties where power numbers were entirely different than they are now. So, yeah. so Duramax is going to be closer, but what would you say is the best one to get with those three things in mind? Man, that's where I'm going to be controversial. Um, I freaking hate an LB7 as a diesel mechanic. I hate them. It's the worst diesel engine I've ever worked on. Um, I absolutely despise them. I had to do injectors in that one that I diagnosed and I didn't know what I was getting into. Um, at the time I had massive Cummins experience. I mean, that's what I worked on every day. So you pull 0305 Cummins into the shop. I'm going to grab a small handful of tools. I'm going to grab a overhead creeper. I'll have the injectors out back in 45 minutes. It pays two something hours shop time. That's how you make money as a diesel mechanic. I love that job. I, I can sling injectors in a Cummins all day long. Uh, even a 6.0 power stroke or a 7.3 power stroke, you know, it sells five and a half hours shop time. I could do them in three. So I can make money working on those trucks. I pulled that stupid LB7 Duramax in. First of all, I'd never worked on one. They were so new still at the time. I mean, I, I literally never moved my toolbox at that shop. Like it stayed in the same spot for years. And I would basically work out of a shop cart and I literally had to wheel my toolbox over to the truck because I didn't know what tool I was going to need next. Do I need an inverted Torx bit? Do I need a standard ratchet or a ratcheting ratchet or a socket or a deep socket or a shallow socket? I mean, I had to have so many tools to get the injectors out of this thing. I was livid. I was like pissed off at the world because I had to work on this stupid piece of crap LB7. I never wanted to work on one again. That was 2003, and this is 2022, so 20 <laughs> years later, you ask me what the best Duramax is out there, what I will own, I haven't owned one because I haven't found the one that I want. When I find it and I have the money in the bank, I will own an LB7 four-door long bed ZF6. That's my unicorn. That's my Eleanor. Um, I can't wait to find it. I, I've been looking for years because my goal at the end of the day in my position at work is I want to have a Ford, a Chevy and a Dodge sitting in my driveway um, for no other reason than to not bullshit the customer. I want to tell the customer, I own that truck. Uh, this is what I've done to it. I own that truck. This is what I've done to it. And so I want that truck because the LB LB seven is pre emissions. They suck to do injectors in. Uh, the lifespan of the injectors in an LB7 or any Duramax. That this is a very common misconception because of Google. Everybody think you know I'll, I'll hear this 25 times a, a week. Well, I got a Duramax, but it's not an LB7. What does that mean? Why is that a sentence? Like, what's wrong with an LB7? Oh, the injectors go bad. So do LLYs. So do LBZs. So do LMMs. It's a shitty injection system. It's a horrible freaking design. Every diesel truck on planet Earth has a lift pump sending fuel to the injection pump for a reason. But for some stupid reason, GM decides, well, we don't need a lift pump. 
And so we have injector problems with Duramaxes, period. End of story. From 01 to 2017, Duramaxes eat injectors. They suck. Put a fast on it. And I'm going to say that forever because that's the solution. So what would I own? An LB7 ZF6. I love a manual transmission. I love a four-door long bed single rear wheel. Uh, if I can someday find that truck, I'll own it. And, and I like the LB7s because they're pre-emissions and they're hard to put injectors in, but you do it once, you put a fast on it, that's over. Um, but the, but it's, it's, I've never seen a broken crank in an LB7 in 15 years of working on diesel trucks. I've seen broken cranks in LLYs. I've seen broken cranks in LBZs. I've seen broken cranks in LMMs, a lot of LMMs. I've seen broken cranks in LMLs. I've seen more broken cranks in L5Ps than any other Duramax that we've worked on in the shop. So I like the LB7 for those reasons. Uh, they have weak rods. If you're going to make big power, if you're going to go over 600 horsepower, you're going to have to put a set of Corolla rods in it or put a set of LBZ rods in it. Um, do a set of D-lip pistons if you want to make big power. But for the utilitarian guy, the rancher, the farmer, the construction worker, the plumber, if you want the best Duramax ever made, find LB7, put injectors in it. I don't care if it needs them or not. Put a set in it, put a fast in it, start fresh life and have a wonderful experience owning a Duramax. When I think of them, when I think of GM, I think of a lot of, a lot of carryover or maybe synergy, I guess I could say with like the aftermarket. So, you know, I always think 01 to 10, 01 to 10, when we're talking about different parts with it, not everything, but you know, I, I think injectors are pretty well lined out for them. Um, turbo kits, intercoolers, air intakes, transmission upgrades, tuning, especially on, you know, LB7 to LBZ. It's very simple to get, you know, EFI live and a, a DSP5 switch. There you go, you know, lift pump. So I think of a lot of good aftermarket support for them. I think maybe the toughest part for somebody to find an LB7 is probably the condition because they're you know, almost 20 years old now, 18, 20 years old, is just finding something that's a good candidate to be able well, to in invest that money in. The good thing there is, once again, GM is inherently lazy. Unlike Ford and Dodge, you know, I mean, Ford changes their interior up every five years, six years at the most. Uh, Dodge changed their shit up every five years, give or take. Um GM kept the same damn interior for like 12 years. So if you buy an LB7 with shitty interior, go buy an LMM and swap the seats over. You know, I mean, everything's the same. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, they are getting harder and harder to find in good shape. But I mean, we, we've got one at the shop right now that, dude, I, I was nerding out on it yesterday. It was absolutely gorgeous truck. I mean, to look at a 20-year-old truck, I would have eaten French fries and dipped in ketchup off the floor. I mean, this thing was just immaculate. The engine bay was gorgeous. I mean, it looked like the guy must go out there and detail the engine bay every day. You know, I mean, it, there's still some unicorns out there, but you can make anything nice. And, and you can, you know, that's the sad thing about a Duramax. You can make the same power for the same money out of an LB7 as you can out of an LMM or an LML. So... You know, comparing an 01 to a 2016 tuner intake exhaust, you're going to be relatively the same horsepower, uh, yeah. which is odd to say for such a broad 
timeline. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what can attract a lot of people who aren't necessarily brand loyal, but they either want or need a diesel. And when you look at the power numbers that the LB7 had all the way up to, you know, where they're currently at, there's so much aftermarket support for that LB7. You can make more power than a new one. Now, granted, it's going to have a five-speed transmission and the interior might be a little dated. It's not going to have all the, the things that a, you know, 2021 or 2022 is going to have. Um, but the power numbers are are definitely you know there for it. So I think for towing, hauling, you know, it's it's all kind of right there. But one of the questions that people ask, regardless of what year it is, or they either hate it or they love it, is the independent front suspension. At the shop level, how many issues do you see with it on like a daily driver, a work truck, something that's running, you know, a tune intake exhaust? Is our tie rod? ends a huge issue are other parts of the front suspension major wear points another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I freaking hate them. <laughs> I absolutely freaking hate them. Um, Chad and I went up to BD Diesel one year and we drove his LB7. And I had recently broken my back. I broke my back when I was 25. We went up to uh, BDD, so I think I was 27 or 28 years old then. And I had a lot of back issues, and my back hurt bad. And uh, I spent a lot of money on aftermarket products, elastic shackles, airbags, softer leaf springs to make my Dodge ride better. And I, and I got it to a point where it really rode super nice, thanks to a bunch of aftermarket products. And we rode up to BD Diesel, which is in Abbotsford, British Columbia, from Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, in that LBZ. I mean, to say I was in pain is an understatement. I was turning sideways, backwards, doing whatever I could to try and get comfortable. That damn truck beat the shit out of my lower back. I don't know why, because I had heard the same thing that you're saying, that they ride great and they ride amazing. It was a four-door short bed truck. I don't know if the, the you know, I haven't spent a whole lot of time driving Duramaxes around. Uh, I just remember that trip was hell. And, and and because of that one trip, you know, spending 11 hours in a LBZ Duramax, I've never owned one because it hurt my back so bad. Um, was it the way he had the truck set up? Possibly. Uh, he had so, a lot of aftermarket stuff done to that truck. I just remember that trip killed me. Uh, I don't know if you had the torsion bars cranked all the way up. I don't know. Uh, it just, I hated riding in that truck and it hurt my back so bad. I've never owned one uh, because of that. I hope to someday own one if I can find that unicorn and, and I will spend $10,000 to make that thing ride right. But whatever was done to that truck was not right. It, it hurt my back so bad. Um, I would rather spend 14 hours driving around in a bone stock Ford or a bone stock Dodge versus that LBZ that he had. Can they be made to ride good? Yes. Uh, there's some great companies out there that, that specialize in Chevy 2500, 3500 drivetrain and suspension. Uh, Cognito Motorsports is probably my favorite company. 
they they seem to spend a lot of money on R and D and engineering and and really making and making these trucks not only ride good but making the super shitty independent front suspension reliable. Uh, I can't tell you how many sled pulls I've been to where some poor kid in the stands gets a hard on and decides he's going to hook to the sled that night and they put their bone stock truck in four wheel drive and they hook to the sled. And the next thing you know, both tires are pointing at each other and it's folding underneath of the truck and they just did $8,000 worth of damage to the front end because the tie rods broke. Um, it's pretty embarrassing that GM can't get that right. Even in 2022, they're still rocking pretty much the same design. So there's a massive need for the aftermarket in that regard, but it's out there. Uh, you've got a bunch of great companies that make aftermarket products for the front end of those trucks to make them reliable and make them strong. So, you know, before you go making a bunch of horsepower, get the steering and suspension right for sure. This one's tough for me. If I had to pick which one I would buy, um, I think I would definitely, I think in today's climate, I had that LMM and I really liked it, but I think with what I could do to a truck now, I'd look for pre pre LMM. And I get stuck between an LBZ or an LB7. And if I wasn't going to make a lot of power, or I wasn't, you know, I wasn't going to push it far enough that I would need to do pistons or rods or anything, I think I would, I think I would hone in on an LBZ. Um, but I can't really give you a particular reason why, other than a little bit of a horsepower bump in it and a little, little bit different, you know, design on the front end. Um, I just kind of think. I don't know. It, it it seems like through the evolution of LB7, LLY, LBZ, the LBZ kind of hit the the pinnacle. I know the LMM is very similar other than, you know, kind of the emission system on it, maybe a few other things. But I don't know. I think that, that would be the one I'd pick, but for no really definitive major reason other than I just kind of like it. Yeah, that's a that's a popular opinion. I mean, that's what you hear in the industry. And that's why I said I'm going to be controversial when I when I said that the LB7 would be my personal pick. But at the end of the day, the LBZs are really bad about cracking pistons and, and for no real reason. Um, I, I've seen hundreds of LBZs come through the shop with cracked pistons. Some of them bone stock. Some of them maybe have an edge tuner on them, which isn't anything to talk about, you know, or write home about as far as horsepower goes. Uh, edge seeing you know edge has always been very uh conservative on their power numbers um it's not like they're out there blowing dyno numbers out of the water or anything like that so i don't think it's a horsepower thing uh i think edge prides themselves in doing really good tuning uh, as far as timing and and injector pulse with duration things of that nature they're not out there blowing motors up left and right but LBZs, I've seen more cracked pistons come through the shop on LBZs than I have any other platform. Um, LLYs, the reason they don't make my list is they have the most restrictive cylinder heads out of all the Duramaxes. So, you know, if you do have a customer that wants to start making power, that's a big money. That's a big money item. You know, when you have to go to a ported and polished aftermarket cylinder head, that's a big ticket. You know, you're not getting out of the shop for less than 15, 20 grand, depending on the brand that you go with and labor involved with it, uh, doing head studs while you're at it. So it's just the, the LB7 kind of checks all my boxes as far as aftermarket performance. If I want to throw a cold air intake tuner and exhaust on it with a fast fuel system, it's going to take that and it's going to take it no problem. 
you start throwing compound turbos on them and, and build the transmission, yeah, you're going to have problems with the rods. Uh, LBZ, LBZ, you're going to have problems with the pistons. Any of them, you've got, you've got that uh, alternate firing cam issue to think about. And, and once again, you know, you got a guy walks in the shop. I don't care what it is. He's got a Duramax. He says, I want to make 900 horsepower. That's a big ticket. Yeah, it's not cheap to make that power with a Duramax. Um, you can get there really quick with bolt-on parts, but it's not going to last. Um, and, and that's kind of the funny thing. We got called out by another shop years ago. A shop that Duramax, that, that specialized in Duramaxes, and obviously we're, at the time, we were strictly power strokes. Now we're, I would say even keel across the board, Ford, Chevy, Dodge, doesn't matter. We've got one of the best Duramax technicians I've ever met on the planet. And I'm not biased at all. I mean, the guy is just absolutely amazing. The amount of knowledge he has on the Duramax platform blows my mind. The, the things that he diagnoses that I would never in a million years personally have been able to figure out, like he's just stupid knowledgeable about Duramaxes. And uh, one of your viewers actually recommended having him on an episode. I mean, he's just so knowledgeable. Uh, we've got two very, very awesome Cummins techs. I mean, these guys, you know, they'll tear an engine down and have it back together in a day. I mean, they're just really good Cummins guys. And then we've got our Power Stroke guys that have been there forever. But the one underlying issue with the Duramax, you know, is we we built one. We built an LB7 sled pulling truck when you were still at ATS, the triple turbo truck that we Yeah, did. I remember that one. Yep. And, you know, first it was one company, oh, we can build you a motor and I'm not going to say their name because this one hurts. We can build you a motor that'll make a thousand horsepower and you'll never blow it up. And it lasted two sled pulls. 600 feet out of a $60,000 engine. That's going to hurt anybody's feelings. So then... We came to ATS and Devin helped us out, built us an amazing engine with an amazing triple turbo setup. It lasted longer than anybody else's engine, but it broke the crank. And then we went with another company that swore up and down that they could build us an engine that would ne never blow up. And we did everything they recommended, alternate firing camshaft. We did a billet crank. I mean... I think we probably had $70,000 in that motor and it made it one sled pull, 300 feet, wow. chuck rods and crank out the side of the block. So, and the truck wasn't making, when it, when it was the ATS motor made the most power. I think we almost hit 1600 horsepower at TS that year on the dyno. Um, that engine lived the longest of all of them. The last engine made 980 horsepower with a single turbo. I think we were pulling two six class with that truck. Ten years ago, I can't remember exactly the numbers, but it wasn't making big power and it blew up. And so it's just our, our experience with the Duramax has not been, from a shop standpoint, massive investment into trying to make a Duramax sled pulling truck. Not a fan. I mean, I'm just not convinced i don't even you know i see the duramax guys out there at the sled pulls and i sit there in the pits and i listen to them lie to these kids oh yeah we got 16 seasons on this motor 
bullshit, dude. You blew that thing up three weeks ago. You're so full of shit. Stop lying to people. And and when you're in the pits and you live in the pits and you're on the competition side, you see that. You see the lying that happens to promote a brand or for that diehard Duramax guy to say that his engine's the best. I haven't seen it. You know, I, I mean, I've got customers that I've sat there that we built motors for. And I've sat in the pits and watched them lie to customers, other people, about how long their motor lasts. And it's bullshit. It's all bullshit. You know, we made 900 horsepower with a 6.4 that lasted six seasons that we never touched. We ran, we did a built motor. To be perfectly honest, we pulled for a couple of years with that truck with a stock bottom end. We got to the point where we were on shiden Hazley's radar i mean rules were being changed to make sure leadfoot diesel didn't show up to a shide sled pull with their six four power stroke and so we we got rid of our four-door long bed platform and went to extended cab because they changed the wheelbase rules we beat them again and then they changed the rules again we changed our truck we beat them again with a, a stock six four so we were kind of starting to feel the pressure. We're like, wow, we're on these people's radar. They're changing rules to keep us out. It's time to go big or go home. And so we did a fully built block, balanced the rotating assembly, ported and polished cylinder heads. We spent stupid money building the 6.4 to compete. And we went backwards. And we literally made it, I think, two sled pulls. And we pulled it back into the shop, pulled the built motor out. And I'll be honest with you, I think it's once you have that much money invested, your right foot starts to feel the pressure. You're like, man, I got $60,000 in front of this gas pedal that could blow up if I push it. And so you subconsciously, you stop pushing as hard as you pushed before when you had nothing to lose. And we yanked it out. We took that built motor out. It's in one of my buddy's trucks now that's just sitting in the yard. And we put a, we called, literally called for it on a Friday evening. You got a stock short block sitting on the shelf. Yes, get it over to us bolted our heads onto it, bolted our turbos onto it, and we're right back to winning. So looking at that, those facts, we won with a 6.4 power stroke that was stock with some bolt-ons. We couldn't even finish a race with a Duramax with all the money in the world behind it and all the sponsors and, and amazing people pushing us. I'm just, facts don't lie, man. Duramax didn't do it for us as a shop and putting stupid money out there to try and attract that GM customer. We wasted a lot of money on what I would call marketing. At the end of the day, that's what sled pulling is to us as a shop. It's marketing. You know, you go out there with a Ford and you win, you're going to attract those Ford customers. You go out there with a Dodge and you win, you're going to attract those Dodge customers. We've done it. Ford, Chevy, Dodge. We've competed sled pulling, drag racing, dinos. We've done it all three at the end of the day. Oh, God, this is embarrassing to say, but the 6.4 Power Stroke won the cake. That's so stupid. Why Why do I have to say that on this <laughs> podcast? Like, it's embarrassing, but those are the facts. I got, I got 15 front-page articles on plaques decorating our showroom floor with our 6.4 Power Stroke winning diesel drag races and, and sled pulls all over the country. And I don't have a single front page article with a Duramax or a Cummins on it because it's been done 8,000 times. At the end of the day, the 6.4 is worth talking about. And, and so that's what 
marketing wise, business wise, what drives people to your company, at the end of the day, you go with what works. And we've made more money souping up Fords and making Fords go fast than we've ever made off Cummins and, and Duramax. And so business wise, I hate I hate to say it for your viewers out there, but the six four power strokes made us more money than anything else out there. Um I hate that that's a sentence. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and there's a couple ways to, you know, somebody might might take that. They might say, hey, well, I know about the reputation of the 6.4. They listen to a part one of this and think, well, that's great. That's not on their radar. But you had mentioned on the other podcast we did <clears throat> with the emission stuff, and you were talking about a lot of companies around there that are in energy or construction and fleets and things like that. What do you see with the Duramax platform with fleets are, are, do you have customers that run them, you know, as fleet yeah. trucks, how do they hold up as far as like the, the body, the, you know, it's kind of not so much the powertrain itself, but just the rest of the truck in general, do they hold up pretty well? Mm -hmm. We have a company that's got a fleet of uh, ambulances that we work on over the past so I've been at Leadfoot 10 years. Over the past 10 years, I cannot tell you a week that we have not had one of this company's Duramaxes on our lot. Um, and ambulances are a... That's a that's a hard... So you're talking like construction, hauling cattle, hauling... You know, your, your average everyday consumer is not driving an ambulance. Um, and unfortunately, my only experience with fleet Duramaxes isn't is this company with ambulance. I don't have a I don't have a construction company that runs Duramaxes. We had a Pike Electric is the largest consumer of Ford products in the United States. They buy more Fords than anybody else in the United States. That's Forest Service. That's construction companies. Everybody. Pike Electric is the largest consumer of Ford products in the United States. And so we've serviced their fleet. You know, we've worked with them for many, many years. They had a pretty bad experience with the six O's and the six fours. I'm not going to lie. They, they didn't, didn't have a good experience with Ford. So 2011, 13, right in there, they switched over to Duramaxes for their fleet vehicles. I don't even think it lasted a year and they switched back to Ford um, because the CP4 failures. So they got in right on the LML 2011-13, right in there. They got on the LML issues and, you know, you've got a fleet of, I'm going to say hundreds of thousands of vehicles across the United States for, for an electric company like that. It's ten thousand dollars every time a CP4 blows up. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and pretend that that experience was way worse than five thousand dollars every time a six O popped a head gasket or a six four cracked a piston or what have you. Uh, so that fleet did not last. Amerimed is the company that we work on the ambulances for, and uh, ambulances get road hard and put away wet. I mean, you got to think you got a truck gets fired up at the at the station cold it's heavy it's got a huge utility box on the back of it full of equipment call it 17 20,000 pounds and you're hammered to the 
metal all the way to the scene and shut it off. There's nothing on this planet worse than that for a diesel truck. So I don't think that's a fair comparison, but that's my experience. Those are the facts that I have to deal with. When I said, uh, when I said that I've seen more broken cranks in L5Ps than anything else, that's who I'm talking about. I've seen more broken cranks from that company, from that fleet, than any other Duramax we've worked on. Uh, and unfortunately, all their vehicles are newer. So the only fleet experience I have with Duramax is L&Ls and L5Ps, and it's not been good. Um, it's been very, very expensive for that company to keep that fleet up and running. And uh, their poor service manager, like, I hope that guy's liver makes it. <laughs> Talking to him on the phone, he's not a happy man. <laughs> what? Uh, well, I mean, that leads into the the next part of you know the series we're doing. What is the worst one to have? What is the worst one to buy in your <clears throat> you know factual day to day experience from a cost standpoint? LML, hands down, they're they're terrible. I, I've seen. So my first LML experience was in 2013 older gentleman brought a truck in a uh, beautiful white denali brought the truck in to us it was opening day of hunting season he was dressed all in, in his bright orange hunting gear and uh truck was towed in he came in with it uh we diagnosed it as a cp4 failure there's metal all through the fuel system and the truck had thirty-five thousand miles on it and I literally told him, I called him back and I said, Hey, your CP4 is blown up. We hadn't seen one yet. It was the very first one. So I had to do a little bit of research to figure out what the heck Haven happened. Why was there this much metal in the fuel system? And so I called him and I told him, it looks like your, your injection pumps blown up. It looks like this may be an issue. Um, doing a little bit of research. I'm seeing a lot of this and, uh, I would take it back to the dealership. You're at 35,000 miles. It should be under warranty. He says, well, I did take it to the dealership. And I was like, okay, what did they say? He said, uh, well, they told me that I got water in my fuel. And so we didn't know that. So we did a fuel sample and there was water in the fuel. And it was from a certain dealership that I will not mention. Over the next year, I probably had 70 LMLs come in that went back to this exact same dealership and miraculously every single one of them had 12 ounces of water in the fuel tank, like drain the entire fuel tank, put it in a clear container, 12 ounces of water in the fuel tank. I know for a fact they were taking bottled water and pouring a bottle of water in the fuel tank to deny the warranty. So that is the dirtiest, nastiest, warranty denial scheme i've ever seen and all of those trucks came from the same dealership so looking at that cp4s we know for a fact cp4s are a problem on the duramax is a major problem because they have no lift pump supplying fuel to them so they're constantly failing and they fail at low mileage we have cp4s in the six seven power strokes and we almost like i say we never see them fail but every time we see them fail there's either gas. We have BP gas stations here in Georgia. At a BP gas station in Georgia, the, the green handle is gas and the black handle is diesel fuel. 
So it's 20 times a week. I get a phone call. I'm stranded on the side of the highway. I just filled up. My truck made it 20 miles and shut down, started knocking and shut down. I don't even, I don't even have to ask anymore. I just tell them you filled up at a BP gas station. Didn't you? Well, I don't know. I didn't pay attention. Look at your receipt. Yeah, you're right. It was a BP gas station. How'd you know? Put gas in your truck. You just blew up your entire fuel system. What? Yeah. Go pop the fuck. Go pop the cap off the tank. Take a whiff. It's full of gas. Oh my god, you're right. What do I do? Put it on a rollback. Ten thousand dollars, twelve thousand dollars, whatever it is. So I, this is repetition. And so to see the GM pumps blowing up at thirty-five thousand miles, and to know that the dealerships hooking these people up with water to deny their warranties, that makes me sick. I would never give General Motors a dime of my money knowing that that's how they take care of their customers. And it's not just that one dealership. That one dealership did it so many times that we like joke about it at the shop now, but other dealerships are in on it too. Like it's almost an industry standard. If a CP4 blows up, pour a bottle of water in the customer's fuel tank, deny their warranty and blacklist their VIN number, wash our hands of it. Um, that's disgusting to me. I, I can't believe that a company that size is allowing that to happen to their customers. And I can't believe that it hasn't been red flagged yet and mentioned by other people besides myself. Uh, we do see CP4 failures on the Fords. Like I said, it's almost always gas in the fuel or death in the fuel that causes that failure. Um, I've seen a few, a small handful of them that have blown up and that I couldn't, you know, we did a fuel sample and we couldn't say that it was fuel contamination, but it's, a tiny fraction, not even worth almost mentioning in the grand scheme of things. Like I said, I deal in facts and I deal in uh, patterns. You know, you see the same thing happen over and over and over and you start to develop a pattern and it's like, okay, on a Ford, if you have a CP4 failure, the pattern, the facts say you filled up at a BP gas station, put gas in it. You were on your cell phone when you put death in it and you put it in the fuel tank. Like these are the patterns. This is what happened. So, for the GM guys out there that are running an LML, the best thing you can do right out of the gate, put a fast on it, give that CP for some support, give it that extra filtration, give it that supply fuel. If you're still scared and nervous after that, and I don't think there's a reason to be confidently, I say that because I can tell you one customer that we put a fast on his LML prior to any issues or any amount of time that could lead to a CP4 failure. I, I mean, the truck might've had 10,000 miles on it when we put the fast on it and it came in with 175,000 miles and needed a CP4, uh, one truck, like it'll be forever stuck in my brain because it's the only one that I've ever put a fast on that the CP4 failed on. Um, so I would say, you know, if you're going to gamble, those are pretty good odds, you know, out of let's pretend we work on 2000, Duramaxes a year. Let's let's call it two thousand LMLs a year. Um, that's guys coming in for oil changes. That's guys coming in for fuel filter changes. That's guys coming in for coolant leaks, uh, blown head gaskets, what have you. Out of those two thousand customers with LMLs that we service a year, I've had one since two thousand eleven that we put a fast on that the CP four failed on. So pretty good odds. If that's not good enough for you as a viewer, you can do a CP three conversion. I'm not going to beat that drum. 
I, I haven't seen the facts or the patterns line up to where I say every LML needs a CP3 conversion. Is it a good idea? Absolutely. Do you have the money to do it? Go ahead. Um, but I'm not going to beat that drum until you have to do a CP3 conversion to fix your problem because we've made a hundred thousand six, seven power strokes live by putting a factory fuel pump on them, supplying the CP4 hundreds of thousands of trucks live. And, and so that is the fact is the CP4 needs support. Um, you give it a fast, it'll probably live a long, happy life, and you're not going to have expensive issues. That being said, they still blow head gaskets worse than a six-liter power stroke, and I don't know why. It doesn't make any sense. Looking at how the Duramax engines assembled and put together, LB7s, LBZs, LLYs, LMMs don't blow head gaskets like an LML does. I've got one for a company that works directly with the EPA on environmental cleanup. And we work on their fleet and it's all Duramaxes. We will never, ever have to worry about employing our Duramax technicians. We have two of them. They will forever have work off two fleet accounts, the environmental company and the ambulance company because of head gaskets and LMLs. I, they just will not stop blowing head gaskets. And it doesn't matter if we put studs in them or not. Deck the heads, grade C head gaskets, only GM parts. The best parts we can buy, LMLs will just continue to forever blow head gaskets. And it's so infuriating. And these are these trucks don't even tow. Like they have toolboxes on them. If they're doing a construction job and there's any kind of watershed runoff, these guys show up, they pull into the job site, they check out the watershed issues, they do an environmental study of the area and they leave. These trucks aren't working hard. They're not getting drove hard. They're not tuned. I guess if I was going to blame it on anything, I'd have to blame it on the emission system. You know, uh, DPF's getting clogged up, putting back pressure on the motor, whatever. I don't, I don't know, but these two companies drive bone stock trucks. One company's beating the balls off of them, blowing head gaskets like crazy. The other company's not doing anything with them, blowing head gaskets like crazy. It's just a pattern that I have to deal with, and it's frustrating to see. Um, I'll never own an LML Duramax as long as I'm alive. Do you see the the L5Ps having similar issues or kind of their own set of problems or how how would you or, or well really what kind of patterns do you see with them? The only thing I've seen with them so far is uh, broken cranks and, and only from that ambulance company and I don't know uh, you know aside from the firing order on the motor I mean, I guess that's the only thing you can blame it on. And if people want to research that more, go to SoCalDiesel.com and, and click on their alternate firing camshaft and read the info there. Uh, it's a valid point. It's a valid concern. Oh, one to 10, the pattern wasn't common enough to really justify the money involved in swapping an alternate firing camshaft in your motor. You know, you're talking about a $20,000 ticket to do that tear the motor down, put an alternate firing cam in, put head studs in, put it all back together for no reason other than to hopefully not break the crank again. It uh, doesn't really make sense. I'd put a factory long block in it for a little more than half that money and go another 150,000 miles and hope it doesn't happen again. The, um, I just thought of a question to ask you. Kind of go back to the beginning when you were talking about the LB7. 
how if you had that truck would you do a five to six speed conversion or when customers call you and say hey can i should i do this is it worth the money uh you know to do those what's your opinion on the five to six speed conversion on the five speed allisons i've had that conversation 10 times in my life uh i've sold one and the outcome i don't think was worth the money um it's kind of like a 68 RFE. You know what I mean? Like, did the 48 suck? Yeah. Yeah, 48 suck. A four-speed transmission behind any diesel engine sucks balls. Does a six-speed make sense? Not at all. It's the dumbest thing. Ever. They didn't do it right. You know, I look at the 10 speeds that are coming out now, and they did that right. Like, those 10 speeds work. Um, six speeds, whether it's an Allison, a 68 RFE, um, it just having put hundreds of thousands of miles on a 68 RFE myself, I hated that stupid thing. Like all I ever did was drive down the road and manually shift it back down to fifth because six speed didn't, it didn't make any sense, you know, not unless you're running like a really weird tire setup or something like that, but on a stock six, seven Cummins, that 68 RFE has never made sense to me. Uh, it's the dumbest transmission that's ever been put behind a diesel engine. And, and the Allison works okay. I mean, it works great. But I don't I don't see the benefit from going from a five-speed to a six-speed. Is it worth the thousands of dollars invested to convert it to a six-speed? I don't think so. It's just I don't see the benefit. I had to throw you that curveball because I've gotten that question you know, a couple times here and there. And I thought, okay, older truck, you know, there's some um, – you know conversions for him is it worth it is it not worth it but i think i think we gave the uh, potential you know duramax owner a lot to think about with which one to get and if they already have it some things that they can do to either make it more reliable you know like you talked about the lb7 and um you know fuel system injectors or the lml's things that they can do so it's uh it gave me a lot of insights because it's probably the one i'm least familiar with or have the least amount of you know, kind of knowledge is, you know, which one to run or, or what's best and worse. Um, but we got part three coming up, which I do have some, uh, <laughs> some hands-on experience with, which is uh, <laughs> the five, nine and six, seven coming. So I appreciate, uh, you know, your expertise on, on the Duramax platform and, and sharing those insights. And, um, you know, for those out there that are looking into the Dodge Ram lineup, we got part three coming with five, nine, six, seven talk. What's the worst one to buy and what's the best one to, to buy. So I appreciate your time today, Vinny. Absolutely, man. Yeah. And I, you know, I hope the Duramax guys don't think I'm a Duramax hater. I definitely am not. Um, I think General Motors makes a great vehicle. It's just the Duramax engine's got some problems. And uh, to lie about it and pretend that they're not there is just stupidity. So let's look at the facts. Let's look at the solutions. There are solutions out there. And uh, fill up the comments, man. We'll answer them. Um, you may not like it, but at the end of the day, I'm not a Chevy hater. I don't like, I don't dislike Chevrolet trucks. Um, I just Duramax is, engines have issues. Allison's have issues. Everybody puts that Allison up on a pedestal. And at the end of the day, stupid thing won't live under 500 horsepower. You got to build it. So everybody wants to talk crap about a 48 RE or 47 RE, but an Allison's no better. It, it lasts better in a stock platform. I'll give it that. You got a bone stock Duramax. Will the Allison go 300,000 miles? More than likely. Will a 47 do that? Hell no. 100, 
50 is about all you're going to get out of it. But when you start putting the juice to it, an Allison is no better. It, it's not going to live. And then you get beyond 800 horsepower and you got these guys doing, what do they call it? The Dura flight where they put a 48 RE behind a Duramax. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> That's embarrassing. Well, some but, of them no, that. I mean, or, or the 4100. I had a guy on yeah. that did one of those. Stop. <laughs> this is getting bad. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, there's, there's, uh, there's issues and we just got to figure them out and, and, work around them so trying to pretend that there's not issues makes you an idiot face the issues head on are you willing to invest in those issues and make your truck reliable that's what we're here for and that's what we're here to answer don't forget diesel fans this is part two of a three-part series that we're doing with Vinny from leadfoot diesel performance picking his brain his 15 plus years of diesel experience and asking what are the worst and best diesel trucks to buy so if you didn't catch the first one go back and, and check that one out we talked about ford power strokes and then um, on today's episode we went through the gm duramax and then next we have cummins so if uh if you have any questions or there's um you know some some things that you're looking to you know do with your truck or you have questions before you buy one definitely you know let us know let us know on youtube join our discord uh we got almost 700 members there hit them up there's a lot of experience and in, in the real world with owning these trucks people have and we wanted to do this series to be able to help you guys so that your hard-earned money goes where you want it you know what to expect you know the upgrades that you may have to do may want to do and can just streamline the whole process if you're watching this on youtube aren't subscribed definitely make sure that you do it it goes a long way to be able to help us reach people who are looking to get into diesel and they're searching a topic and your guys's comments and likes on there definitely help we appreciate all of you who have uh, subscribed recently. There's been a huge influx over the last couple months. We appreciate all you guys. Also, our friends over at Kershaw Knives have a 20% off discount code for you. If you're in the market for a knife for EDC, or hunting or fishing, anything like that, use code diesel20 at kershaw.kiausa.com. It's a great way to save some money if you're in the market. And it's an exclusive code just for diesel podcast listeners. It's not a national thing they're doing they wanted to offer it directly to you guys so definitely take advantage if you're looking for a knife I want to give a shout out to some of our patreon supporters tyler lowen of 23 diesel caleb all of our patreon supporters all of you on discord all of you who subscribe on youtube podcast apps we appreciate all your support over the years we love hearing from you guys seeing what you're working on so if you want to hear from a guest uh, you want to hear about a topic you're struggling with a truck maybe want to have uh, one of our former guests on to help you do a podcast you can drop us a message on instagram facebook you can email us at info the podcast.com you can comment on youtube and get in contact with us we love hearing from you guys love seeing what you're working on until next time keep the shiny side up <laughs>